the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more. All from things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are giving y'all some nice uh, English kind of, you know, stories and kind of fables, kind of, you know, uh, English lore throughout the years, if you will. All I was up- really hoping you were going to say we were getting medieval on them. Oh my God, that would have been We're getting medieval <laughs> on your heinies. That is great. Man, I love that. Yes, we're going to talk the 1991 film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. We are also going to be doing a fan casting of Robin Hood in using actors of today. And we are going to be talking the 90s cartoon King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Um, I will say, casting-wise, the only thing that I had to somewhat dance around is there were so many damn Robin Hood movies, man. Like, there are mm-hmm. just tons between this one. Russell Crowe had one. Taron Egerton had one four years ago. Right. And so it's just like they, they constantly come back to Robin Hood. Now, I haven't actually I haven't seen any of the recent ones. I haven't either. And the Taron Egerton one actually is a modern retelling. Oh, so it, okay. It's it's modern day, not mid, not medieval. Gotcha. Does he use like a uh, an AR-15 instead of a, a bow and arrow? <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't watch the movie. <laughs> no, it didn't look good. <laughs> no. Okay. I don't think it did very well either. Probably not. And I doubt the Russell Crowe one did either. But Robin Hood, Prince of, Prince of Thieves did quite well. Um, but before we get into that, I want to get my mind set back to 1991. Uh, all right, uh, the movie was released on June 14th, 1991. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. I'm gonna run, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna take this love right to ya. All my heart, all the joy. Oh, baby, baby, please. Rush, rush. Hurry, hurry, love, come to me. Rush, rush. I wanna see ya. I wanna see ya. Okay, I don't really remember it off the name, but I bet when we drop it in, I'll remember it. I'm the same way. I I, I saw it. I'm like, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I bet when because it, it was it was number one for like four or five weeks. Oh, okay. So it's it definitely had to have been one that I've heard before. Mm-hmm. I just not recognize it by name. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings is uh, Murphy Brown. Okay, well. I mean, I remember Murphy Brown being popular. I didn't realize it was ever a topper of the ratings. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it. It. I think it also won several Emmys, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that makes sense. Fans or owners of the Sega Genesis were getting ready because just about a week or two after this movie was, was released was the release of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, man. I mean, there is, Sonic's become like the Sega mascot and Sony. Mm-hmm. Now, hell, now he's got two very popular movies. He's, he's a great character. Yep. I haven't seen the second one. I did see the first one. Have to say, it was fine. Nice. It was a fine kids movie with with those characters. Good. I mean, I love that it made enough money for them to make a second one because to me, it really showed that the, you know the audience blasted on the ugly Sonic kind of right. thing. And guess what? It looked awful, and people were not going to come out for that. And they realized, guess sometimes you just got to give the people what they want, right? And it's going to do well. And I remember there being a big internet push once that like final trailer came out and we saw that they did change it. Mm-hmm. People were like, listen, 
even if you don't think you're going to like the movie, go see this movie to support the because they mm-hmm. they listened. They mm-hmm. did what they we asked them to do, which was, hey, we don't like this. Make the change. They made the change. We need yeah. to support that or else they're, they're not going to care about yeah. our opinions later. True. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called Loves Music, Loves to Dance by Mary Higgins. Mary Higgins, I recognize the name. I've seen her books around. Didn't recognize this. Apparently, it was made into a movie, I think, in like 2001. Mm-hmm. Not a movie I recognized. No, certainly not. And uh, my fun fact for 1991, this... Uh, the Super Bowl that year is when the Super Bowl made the switch from having marching bands to mm-hmm. having pop stars, and it started with New Kids New on kids. the Block. That's right, New Kids. Exactly. I mean, they were big, and uh, I think Michael either came the next year or something and like really blew it out the water. But yeah, I do yep. remember New Kids were the first ones. Yep, which was a sad day for marching bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, the halftime show is so much better than a marching show, It just for me. <laughs> But I'm a, I'm a pop culture whore, so yeah. I love that more than marching. And you're a marching band whore, so. Yes. All right. <laughs> and that was 1991. All right. What a wonderful year it was. And now, John, let's get medieval. <laughs> and let's, yeah, I said it again, but I'm saying it again. I don't give a fire. I already said it, but yeah. I'm saying it again. Uh, anyway, it's time for Robin Hood. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out in 1991, directed by Kevin Reynolds, who also directed Waterworld, uh, one of the bigger flops that everyone <laughs> remembers, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo as well. Uh, music was done by Michael Kamen. Uh, we talked about him before. Uh, he has done music for Highlander, the first four Lethal Weapon films, the first three Die Hard movies, mm. X-Men, Iron Giant, Mr. Holland's Opus, and Don Juan DeMarco. The music in this movie, I think, was actually on point. That was one of my first notes because it actually starts with the score and yeah. at the title cards. And immediately I was like, I forgot how good the score is on this one. Yeah. I actually remember being in high school and um, we played like for one concert, like music from this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun to play. And uh, they bring back a lot of the same themes a lot, which to be fair, this movie is fucking long. So, <laughs> can I, okay, I'll go ahead and mention. Yeah, it's two hours and twenty three minutes. I put I put on my DVD, and it wasn't until afterwards that I realized I own the extended version. Oh, really? And so my version is fourteen minutes longer, or something like that. So it has extra scenes, and so I I might actually have a scene or so Did, in okay. here. <laughs> we also watched on DVD because okay. it, I didn't want to have to pay for streaming. I have the DVD. Was yours two sided? Uh, it wasn't two. It was it was a two discs though. But all all the extra stuff was on the uh, second disc. Okay, ours halfway through the movie, I had to flip the DVD. Yeah, I mean that mean that's the sign of it's an old DVD where they yeah <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't fit it all in one. Uh, but yeah, so there just so you know there might be a scene that I'm writing in here that you're just like I don't remember that because I didn't realize until afterwards I watched the longer the long version. Okay, so, cool. Okay, and by the end of it, I was like. God, that was long. <laughs> so that'd be that. All right. The cast for this film, Robin of Loxley, is played by Kevin Costner. We all know him from Dances with Wolves, Waterworld, Field of Dreams. Solid actor. He's in what? Yellowstone is his more recent kind of thing that's been popular? Yeah. it's It blew up. It's huge. What I know from that, they actually have a Yellowstone whiskey that I think that was kind of like a tie-in brand with the show, huh. which I own a couple of them. I like them. 
Actually, uh, that show was so popular, there's a spinoff starring like Tim McGraw or something like that. Oh, okay. Which is like some sort of prequel or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I have heard good things. Yeah. So uh, Azim is played by Morgan Freeman. We know him, of course, from Shawshank Redemption, Driving Miss Daisy, Power of One, a literal million of mm-hmm. different movies. Uh, Marion is played by Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonino. Oh I know Mastrantonio. I, thank you. I butchered that last time because we talked about her in The Abyss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yes, uh, she's also been in Color of Money, Scarface, a good, good bit of different things. The Sheriff of Nottingham is the great Alan Rickman. Of course, you know him from Die Hard, Dogma, the Harry Potter films. He he is and was an amazing actor. Yeah. Uh, Will Scarlet is played by Christian Slater, who we actually talked to way back in the Wizard epi- episode. Uh, he played the uh, older brother. He was also oh, in that's he- right. Yep, also in Heather's True Romance and Broken Arrow. Uh, Little John is played by Nick Brimble. He was in A Knight's Tale. Uh, he was in that Joe Pesci, Danny Glover mi- movie, Gone Fishing. And <laughs> most of his stuff, though, was actually like in- English productions right. that I didn't know. Uh, Mortiana was played by Geraldine McEwen. McEwen? I think it's McEwen. McEwen? Okay. She was in Henry the- Henry V, Titus, both kind of Shakespeare movies, mm-hmm. um, mostly also English productions. And then Friar Tuck is played by Michael McShane, who we know... From whose line is it anyway? That's what John and I know him best from, for so sure. So good on that. He was awesome. He wasn't an every time player, but when right. he came in, he always had a good presence. Yeah, it was always it was always fun when when uh, Mike was going to be on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other people might recognize him uh, in Office Space. He was the um, psychiatrist who puts. Oh, that's right. Our guy in the trance, and then also he did some voices. He was in A Bug's Life and other stuff as well. So he's mm-hmm. he's pretty pretty freaking awesome. He's kind of disappeared from Limelight. I, I wish he'd he has. find a way to bring him back somehow. Yeah, exactly. I will say I remember him also uh, as playing Franklin Delano Romanowski on Seinfeld. Go Seinfeld. <laughs> Shout out to all the Cartwright fans out there. I can't remember who we watched this movie with, our mom or dad or where or whatnot, but I think we had like the VHS or we saw this movie enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure this was at home, uh-huh. probably at our, our you know, home with mom. Um, I'm pretty sure we definitely had the VHS yeah. either recorded or purchased. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I remember the actual box cover, and I feel yeah. like it was the actual um, VHS for this one. Yeah, I think this was a regular rotation movie. Yep, absolutely. So speaking of regular rotation movies, we've actually already done a Robin Hood. This is uh, one of the few times we're kind of revisiting a property, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we did the old Disney cartoon Robin Hood, and now we are doing Prince of Thieves and Hell. We could, I could see us doing Men in Tights in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there are tons of different just Robin Hood properties out there. It's probably one of them that is completely overused and overdone. But, you know, it's, it's popular. It's interesting. It's a very popular folklore. So this film had a budget of $48 million, and it made $390 million. Wow. For 1991, that's a pretty amazing. Huge success. It was the second highest grossing film of 1991. Um, do you have a guess on what would be the what was the top of ninety one? I'm pretty sure it was T two, wasn't it? It was T two. Yep. Yeah. T two was the which blew everything out the water. All right, so we're gonna start off as I had mentioned with some title cards and the score under, score underneath it. And yes, I just forgot how good the music is.
then we get some text setting up our story. 800 years ago, Richard the Lionheart, King of England, led the Third Crusade to reclaim the Holy Land from the Turks. Most of the young English noblemen who flocked to his banner never returned home. We cut to Jerusalem and we see some torture happening. Robin is a prisoner along with Azim. Robin instantly is showing that he's kind of an honorable guy. He tries to save this other dude. And so he's going to get his hand cut off, but he's able to kind of pull the other dude's hands in the way. And he fights back. One of the, his first line that I recognize, one of his earlier lines was, This is English courage. This is English courage. There is no English accent. As, they, as he says, an American accent. <laughs> Extremely American accent. And a fair, apparently Kevin Costner actually pushed the director to let him do an English accent. And the director was like, it's not going to work. You just, just do an American <laughs> accent. I know that was a pretty big criticism. I, think, I, I don't think critics panned the film, but I do think Kevin Costner's performance and the lack of Britishness, I'd say, for him... Um, and I would throw out there Christian Slater, too. And Mike McShane. They really didn't. Yeah. The Americans really didn't do much of an English accent. No. Uh, but, yeah, Kevin Costner's performance, I remember, was kind of kind of panned in this one. So, anyway, um, Azim convinces Robin Hood to save him because he has a rope where everyone else has chains. And so he can get out. So they get out. They go to the street. Uh, and the guy that Robin was with is, you know, injured and he's about to die. He gives... Robin a ring to give to his sister Marion and asks him to take care of Marion, make sure that she is safe in the future. So now Robin and Azim are together and Azim vows to stay with Robin until he saves his until he saves his life, much like Robin just, you know, saved him uh, mm-hmm. from from his capture. Makes me think of uh, the Wookiee life debt. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Exactly. It is kind of like that. We cut to Robin's father in England who writes a letter begging for information about his son uh, in the war. Then a man comes to ask Lord Loxley for help. Uh, So he suits up in his battle armor and leaves. But it was all a trick to basically get him out in the open. And the sheriff of Nottingham with some other guys in these white robes, obviously looking... I was going to say, the KKK is waiting for him. Absolutely KKK looking. I don't know why there was this kind of cultesque cult feel with these guys but i don't either whatever uh, they all kill him four months later robin and azim get to the cliffs of dover and robin kisses the sand i always kind of remember for some reason i always remember that scene of him plopping face first into the sand and like yes well they it. also made fun of it in men in tights that, that yeah you're that right also helps <laughs> there's a lot i mean there's i mean there's a lot of men in tights that kind of when i'm watching this movie i kind of think about that one yeah and actually, my my kids were able to make, especially my son. My my daughter kind of checked out of the movie pretty early, but my son stayed with it for the long haul. And there were a lot mm-hmm. of things that he was like, "Oh, that was in Men in Tights," and yeah. he I, he understood that Men in Tights uh, was a parody of this, yeah, um, uh, amongst other Robin Hood movies. So yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it is funny that yeah, Robin Hood, that Men in Tights is very much a parody of this film, not right. just Robin Hood in general, but like right. specifically this film. So uh, a man then from the boat. Tries to attack Azim, who Azim fucks him up. And I couldn't quite tell, did Robin set that up uh, to try and get I, out of his life debt, I think? I, it, I, it, it kind of made me think of that because later he says, like, I had to try. I had to try like or something like that. Yeah. I, I, that was my guess. That was my guess. Yeah. That's my only thought. He was trying to get, you know, he doesn't really want Azim around, but so that's what I think was happening. 
they do, Robin and Azim have some playful banter as they're, you know, heading to his home. And Azim uh, stops to pray uh, towards Mecca. Uh, meanwhile, a kid is getting chased by dogs. Robin confronts the chasers, tells them he is Robin of Loxley, and then the men, of course, attack. Robin wins the fight, and we meet this leader of that group, Guy of Gisborne, who is the sheriff's cousin. Now, we didn't cast Guy, but we probably could have. He was, could in, have. The, he was in the movie more than I remembered. Yeah. At Nottingham Castle, the cousin informs Robin, or the cousin informs the sheriff of Robin's return, and then the sheriff goes to see uh, Mortiana, who is like this witch of sorts, but also kind of helped raise the sheriff. That kind of thing is, and so she puts blood and like these bones or something, almost like mahjong pieces, um, into a seeing plate, and warns of Robin and saying she sees her own death, and warns of this companion that you know they have to to basically kill them. Uh, Robin returns to his castle to find it burned and his father dead. And then we meet Duncan, who is, you know, one of the servants of the father. He was there, but he is left blinded and kind of tells Robin about everything that's happened. Which I'm like, why, why bother? Why bother keeping him blind? No, why bother well, why, why bother keeping him alive? Yeah, exactly. They should have just killed him. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, Robin vows to avenge his father. They go to his friend's home, the guy who died earlier in the movie, but only Robin is allowed in, and when Marion arrives, she's uh, not a looker <laughs> that Robin remembers. Not a looker that Robin, uh, yeah, you know, and so he has to kind of dance around that, and so he she's he's distracted by that person while someone else puts a sword to his back, but Robin fights that person off and disarms them, and that is the actual Marion. Uh-huh. So he kind of realizes that they realize that, okay, that is the real Robin because they you know, they're worried about stuff right now. He gives her the ring that her brother gave to him and vows to protect her. Then uh, Guy, the sheriff's cousin, rides to the castle uh, with a funny scene of Azim. I like having to use, he's using his telescope that Robin has never used before. And so he's kind of get confused by it. I like that little scene. It was, but, it was funny. Yeah. So they steal some horses and, and run off to try and make it seem that Marion didn't help them. Uh, but they are forced to escape through the haunted Sherwood Forest. That's the only way they can get away from Guy's men. So they get to a stream, and Robin gets tripped up when trying to cross the river. And we meet Will, we meet Little John and all the merry men, if you will, and he has to fight Little John with bow staffs, and this in particular is the scene that also makes me think of Men in Tights. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course, this bow staff fight, and he eventually beats Little John by sneaking up under the water and smacking him in the nuts, and then John falling into the water thinking he's going to drown, and that drowning scene is particular. (laughs) Like, oh my God, that was a thing. I mean, what, what, what does get me is... If they've spent so much time living in the woods, how do they not know how deep the river is at all these crossing points? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if little John can actually walk across it, at the entire, even at the deepest part, um, yeah, that is kind of a surprise. But all right. So they become friends with the men. Ha ha ha. We do so, though, see Will Scarlet is still kind of skeptical and shrewd uh, towards Robin. So we find out that the sheriff and Mortiana are Satanists or something. Like they they have a he has an upside down cross and he talks about you know kind of the he has to play along for the church but really he believes in the old ways and so maybe that's kind of the tie in with the cultist robes okay. and the other stuff yeah that makes sense yeah but um, we see Robin sneaking into Nottingham Castle who had a church service we see Nottingham really giving 
Marion like the I want to fuck you eyes, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> He's he is not subtle. He wants him some Marion. Yeah. Robin though dressed as a beggar talks to her at one point. Um, she mentions there's a bounty on him for. 100 gold which he's upset is so low he he's like i can get that shit to 1000 so yeah and overall they have some minor flirting stuff like that okay so i want to bring something up real quick sure so i'm gonna jump ahead really far towards the end as they're setting up for the final battle you see robin walk up and take some horse manure and rub it on his robe oh uh uh-huh it makes no sense that it's there because that scene was supposed to happen right before this one. Because it makes more sense because she's like, take a bath because he stinks. Yes, you see her particularly like um, egregious to the the smell. You can yes, tell. and it makes it makes no sense for that one scene to have been moved because none of that huh. pays off in the battle about him mm-hmm. stinking. But that it was meant to be there, and for some reason. Because I think there was no scene of Robin Hood arriving at the area. <laughs> that they're like, the- oh, we're just going to move this here. Uh, that's poorly done. Yeah and, yeah. It, and then it would make more sense for her to be like, take a bath. Yeah. Or yeah. take a bath. As I um, I forgot. I, I didn't didn't make that connection, but that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. I guess he's just smelling because he hadn't taken a shower in a while or her bath or whatever. But right. yeah, or he was really doing the beggar thing, which makes sense for the shit. All of that does make sense at this scene. So yeah, uh, Robin then talks to the bishop as we see the sheriff trying to hit on Marion, and he even gives her a dagger. Uh, the bishop lies to Robin. Obviously, he is in Nottingham's pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin walks out and sees the sheriff and gives him a scar that gives him a scar on his cheek. And of course that pisses off the <laughs> sheriff, giving us one phenomenal line. Loxley, I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon. With a spoon. Great line. And it gets even a greater payoff very shortly. But uh, ultimately Robin escapes right now and he returns to Sherwood forest and, uh, the men, though, of the forest are very worried because they feel like he has started a war. We cut to the cousin asking the sheriff, Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe? Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. <laughs> As he's getting stitched up. And that is, I don't know, it's not like I use that line often, but it's a line that if I can use it, I'll try to. Absolutely. I will throw it in where I can. Even if I'm sure that the person I'm saying it to won't know the reference. Because yeah. I know the reference, and that's good enough for me. So the sheriff's men raid villages looking for Robin. It just sends up sends more people to Sherwood Forest looking for shelter. Uh, but they all blame Robin, as does Will, for what's happening. Uh, Will is so pissed off, he's going to throw a dagger in Robin's back. But Robin turns around and shoots him in the hand with an arrow very quickly. Just kind of showing him who's boss, who's the uh, head bitch in town, you know? <laughs> Robin ends up motivating the people. They're going to train them, and he's going to make an army. And so now it's montage time. They're making swords. They're making arrows and bows and practicing. And they steal from the rich and give to the poor. And the sheriff is pissed about all of it, of course. So ultimately, the, the public love Robin because, you know, he's taking that money and giving it to the people. Also, uh, do you remember, like, during that whole montage, there's the... There's certain things I remember about the um, trailer, and one of them is the scene from the montage where he splits the other arrow. Oh, yeah. And my poor son, like, 
for some reason he was not paying attention during the scene and like much later he's like where's the scene where he splits the arrow and i'm like uh, dude you missed that like 25 yeah. minutes ago <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. i'm not going back Mm-mm. is Car- sheriff is just basically just gonna double down his efforts and says he's gonna call off christmas and just become ultimately harsher to the people and then in another caravan that is going through sherwood forest uh which is kind of how the sheriff has to move his gold and stuff like that we meet friar tuck he's drinking and singing uh yeah just a big old drunk uh robin and his merry men end up killing the guards and they steal the cart and hide everything it's a pretty ingenuitive uh is that a word yeah the way that they kind of have their little hiding places and stuff like that it was smart i think Fire Tuck awakens from his drunkenness, uh, and he fights for his beer. He kicks Robin in the face and tries to escape, <laughs> but he ends up uh, from his gloating, knocking him himself out. You know, from a tree branch. Confess, Robin Hood, that Fire Tuck is a braver, holier, and wiser man than thou art. <laughs> but I do like that he doesn't give up right there. Robin comes up to him. And then he starts biting his fucking legs, and he gets captured. Uh, but he ends up kind of being asked to be the minister uh, for the group. So he's kind of changed his ways, I guess, or he he will he'll preach the word of God for the the people of uh, Sherwood Forest. Guy has failed again. You know he can't seem to catch Robin, and so the sheriff fucking kills him in front of all his men. And he does even give a nice little added line. By the way, the guy so. the guy who played Guy. It's funny because he's he's actually Canadian, but his parents are British. But he is in the new uh, Jordan Peele movie. Oh, oh, what is what's that one? Nope, nope. That's right, nope. It's yep. always, he likes the one word titles. That one looks interesting. It looks very alien esque or something. I didn't happened. see the. I haven't seen his other two either. So I haven't either. I've heard good things. Yeah, I'm also not big oh, wait, on no, no, horror. No. Wait, he did. Did he do Get Out? Yeah, he did Get Out. I saw. I saw Get Out. I like that one. I like okay. that one a lot. I haven't seen Us. Okay, I'm not big on horror films, so I'm not really interested okay. in going to see it. So, yeah, Get Out was interesting. Get Out was actually pretty interesting. Um, all right, Marion and her handmaid uh, come to Sherwood. They're stopped by dumb guys that I didn't really need in the movie at all. Um, but she goes to see Robin, who is currently swimming naked at the time. So, one for the ladies. You get some Costner butt on this shot, um, which I would say isn't like a. You know, is, is, I guess he's a heartthrob, but it's not like he had like you know. We didn't require a lot out of our heartthrobs back in the late 80s, early 90s. No, I guess not. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tom Selleck, you know, when he was a heartthrob, he was in shape, but, you know, yeah. he was kind of barrel chested and hairy and the big mustache. And Com- Compare that to the the current Thor trailer where oh they God. blow all of Thor's th- clothes off and the guy looks like a fucking sculpture. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Well, and is it my understanding that Part of the reason why he's so buff right now is because he's playing Hulk Hogan in a movie. I heard he was going to be doing that, but that that could make sense. That he that's huh. what, part of the reason why he's so bulked up hmm. in that scene is because he's also working towards a Hulk Hogan movie. That could totally be. I mean, he he does he looks like he's at his absolute best shape I've ever seen him, or like oh, the yeah. most muscle anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's um it's definitely not natural. He's on something. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's not competing, so who gives a shit? fine yeah exactly i mean if if you're do, if you're just doing it for a movie i mean uh, you know and and he probably has a slew of doctors you know making sure he's healthy. watching him all the time exactly that he's not you know he's not just doing all marvel the is not gonna you know waste their time on on a star no you know no, without just... without really investing which makes me think of you remember um who was that guy the guy who plays um 
he he got into um, the Eternals. He was in the Eternals, and he was also in uh, Obi Wan recently, playing like that fake Jedi guy, Co- uh, Kamal. Uh, Camille- Nanji- That's not Kamal. Camille Nanjiani. Yeah, Camille Nanjiani. He got all like buffed up. Yeah. Um, before that one, you don't even see his buff body in the fucking Eternals movie. You see his arms in one scene, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's why they they that took that photo. That photo was actually not done by Marvel. It was done by Camille Nanjiani and his trainer because the trainer's like, uh-huh. "Dude, this is the best you've ever looked." So they yeah. they did a photo shoot with him, which uh, they, they he looked amazing. They should have done amazing. They they should have made his the shirtless shot. I mean, yeah, know. exactly. Just made it was kind of like ultimately disappointing when I was like, "Wait a minute, I only see your arms." Yeah, they look good, but like, show that off, man. <laughs> yeah. And then next, Marion is taken to uh, the village that they have in their forest that they, you know, built up and they're basically living in the trees and all this stuff. Robin shows off some of his shooting skills uh, and he talks to everybody about, you know, oh, you can't, but can you shoot with distraction? And he can't either when Marion kind of blows on his face a little bit. And so he's obviously <laughs> distracted by her. And uh, he tells Marion later, you know, about Nottingham's plan to steal England from King Richard, and she is King Richard's cousin, and so she wants he wants her to write a letter to King Richard to try and help get him back to the mm-hmm. city, or uh, back to England to, to help stop Nottingham, and she ends up donating her dagger that Nottingham gave to her to the cause and whatnot, which, of course, Robin grabs immediately and kind of keeps for himself because mm-hmm. it's a token for her. And that might come back later. That will come back later. So uh, then Marion uh, stays for dinner and a good little scene here where Mary, where at the dinner scene, uh, a child comes up to Azim and asks if God painted him. And I do like his response here. He said, did God paint you? Did God paint me? <laughs> for certain. Why? Because Allah loves wondrous variety. It's a really nice scene until Friar Tuck comes in and is a complete and utter asshole. So he just kind of shoots it down. You know? Which, is, you know, is par for the course with Christians in that era. Actually, in the Christians of all eras. Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, when they set up the title card or like the, uh, the you know, the, the card on this one to tell us kind of the backstory. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Richard, you know, Richard is gone to the third crusade. I'm like, Phew. Well, fuck him. Like, I don't I don't give a shit about the Crusades. And no. I don't think, uh, you know, the Christians were doing the right thing with that. And so it's like, I don't immediately tie that to being the hero and me, me liking you. So, right. but it's kind of funny, yeah. And which actually they do kind of fix that with Fire Tuck by the end of things. So overall, we see Robin and Marion, they're talking and they're flirting and whatnot. Uh, then out of nowhere, little John's wife is having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Where did this come in? Why did why was this needed? It was totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. And furthermore, she's having birth issues. Friar Tuck, who only wants to pray the pain away, um, can't do shit. And so now uh, Azim gets called in to help her, which, you know, he's like, no, 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 you can't help her because you don't look like I look and you don't believe like I believe. But guess what? He does save her by basically doing like a C-section. They save the child and the mother and... Tuck, who is becoming a dick, you know, who was a dick, is starting to come around now, realizing that the Lord works in mysterious ways or shit like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Will tries to dance with Marion, but Robin steps right in and just steals her away, which furthermore pisses him off. Uh, in the morning, here's where Robin asks uh, her to send, like, the letter to King Richard, warning of Nottingham and all this kind of stuff. And she'll do it, and she gives him a kiss. So, all right, they're getting hot and heavy. 
the sheriff is with Mortiana looking for advice. And I think here's where she does the blood and the spit and kind of the, the Z. Yeah. When I saw those scenes, I was just like, oh, I remember this. This is kind of gross, but it's interesting. There was, and apparently in the novelization of the film, there was a scene, and maybe you saw it that I didn't, where the Donningham finds out that Mortiana is actually his mother. Oh, she does say something about that. Yeah, I mean, she mentions, you know, that, 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 basically that. You know, oh, okay. I, th- there was a whole thing where he thought that his parents died and she took care of him from there, but then it is kind of like, kind of revealed. I, I, I was somewhat confused, but that does make sense, and I think that is probably what I, what, okay. what they were saying. That's probably one of the scenes I got. Yeah. Cut. Well, it, it's also completely unnecessary. Right. It makes it. It is totally fine for them just to be like this witch advisor and you don't need the she raised him from a child like who cares right oh also uh, her advice to him is to hire some Celts uh, the savage Celtic people uh, for help against Nottingham uh, Marion sends the letter sends the letter via the bishop who we know is the bad call to do because he's in Nottingham's pocket uh, so she has her handmaiden go with the courier but it's all bullshit, and the courier knocks out the handmaiden, and um, now that did not go well. So uh, the sheriff tries to bribe uh, these different lords that you know he's already kind of been working with, um, but they aren't feeling they're getting enough money, and they are not sure that uh, the sheriff of Nottingham is up for the task of ruling. And so he shows them now uh, the different Celts that they have on his side, and this really big guy comes up, kind of proves to them that, He's a badass. And that guy is played by Pat Roach, who we had seen actually multiple times before. Oh, man, that dude is totally prolific. If, uh, when it comes to, like, these kind of things, he was in, uh, like, Conan the Barbarian movie. He was Brytag in Red Sonja. Yep. Um, he was the giant Sherpa in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's the skull-faced villain in Willow. Yeah. Um, we see him all over. He's also he also in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's also the big giant German that uh, Indy fights under the plane. Yeah, okay. So he's both of them. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's cool. So, all right. Uh, Marion gets taken to Nottingham, obviously, because, um, because she was trying to send the letter and all this kind of shit. Uh, but blind Duncan is still at her place because he was taken over there at one point. And he rides a horse that luckily remembers its way right back to Sherwood Forest. Okay. Um, and he tells Robin about it, and then he dies. Because old, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. We don't need him anymore? Uh, yeah, exactly, because the plot says so that we don't need Duncan. Uh, but he, unfortunately, he was followed by Nottingham's men, and so battle ensues. And there's the whole thing battling with the Celts and all this stuff, and they're ending off, you know, they're able to fend off the Celts at first, But then in come the English who shoot fire arrows and all this kind of stuff. Uh, The place is burning like crazy and Will ends up getting captured uh, amongst a lot of other men too. So Nottingham then confronts Marion. She was betrayed by the bishop, of course. And he shows her um, all the different captured people, basically blackmailing her to marry him for their safety. He shows her... Robin's cross that he ended up the necklace that he had had we hadn't mentioned it before but it was his father's necklace that now he's got and and so now Nottingham has it because it fell off Robin in the fight and so he's pretty much showing that Robin is dead uh, to her 
which we saw Robin fall in the fight, but we didn't know that he was alive. And then they have this very Jesus-looking shot <laughs> of Robin, he's still alive, which was completely over the top and just yeah, a little bit too much of like the, the kind of Christ figure yeah. mentality. So um, the Merry Men are tortured for information on Robin and Will very easily offers to give up Robin at this point. Uh, so Robin ends up burying Duncan uh, while Will returns, but Little John suspects him of being a traitor. And then they see the lashes on his skin, which very smartly the sheriff did anyway. Right. Um, to kind of show that. We find out that the sheriff is going to hang all the men that he captured, including one of Little John's sons. And uh, and he's going to marry Marion. But then we also find out completely unnecessarily that Will is apparently Robin's half-brother, which somehow Robin pushed his family off. Um, and so that's why he hates him. Yeah, it. I mean, I you know, I don't understand it. I mean, I don't understand the nece- I understand it, but I don't understand the necessity of it. No. I mean, why not just have Will just be suspicious of him? Because yeah. he knows who he is. He's a rich, you know, he, that's enough. I don't hate him it, for being the rich boy. You're right. Yeah, I don't have to have the the freaking I have a brother bullshit. <laughs> that was it, it. was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it was poor writing. So uh, we cut to the sheriff uh, is drunk from all of his partying. Uh, he then notices Mortiana's spy holes that she has throughout the castle and is pissed about it. And here, actually, I think is the scene where she talks about. She okay, talks about that. I think must be from the extended edition because I don't remember that. Okay, so yes, so he is drunk from par- all this kind of stuff, um, and she talks to him about envisioning her grandchild will come to power and shit like that. So I think she does talk about at this point, you know, about her being the actual mother. Okay, yeah, that's definitely an additional okay. scene. Yep, and. I can see why it was cut. So, (laughs) all right. Uh, Robin and his men plan and prep to rescue everyone. Um, And they're all, they're including prepping up. Azim has some black powder. Uh, I don't know how he got gunpowder over there. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how you make gunpowder, but apparently you can in Sherwood Forest. You just, whoop, plot decides. There you go. Yeah. They all sneak into Nottingham's castle, and they're placing these gunpowder barrels all over, and the hanging is about to start. Uh, Will ends up getting grabbed by men, um, while little John's son, because he sees him and whatnot, and he's going to be getting killed. Uh, little John's boy gets one of the first ones to be hung, is this <laughs> this child, but Robin is able to shoot his, shoot the rope. Battle ensues while they're in there. In Azim ends up inspiring other people to kind of help them, you know, mm-hmm. to get the people to rise against the sheriff. And at one point they have to get over a wall to continue to, to, you know, chase uh, sheriff of Nottingham. And so they get into a catapult, Azim and Robin do, and they fly, they get catapulted over the wall and Christian and uh, Will Scarlet says, oh, fuck me, he cleared it. Fuck me. He cleared it. I always remember that line for some reason, which was apparently ad libbed by Christian Slater. Okay. And the the even though it's his, it, the thing I said I read said in like in this the director thought it was funny, so he kept it in despite being historically inaccurate. And my thought was, <laughs> we left historically inaccurate way the fuck down the road a long time ago. There's no way that <laughs> that was the one straw of historical inaccuracies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we see that uh, the sheriff is trying to, in a very r- intense rush, try to marry and rape 
you know, slash consummate in his mind uh, this marriage. Uh, Morciana <laughs> then fights Azim, who stabs her, you know, through yeah. with the spear that she had. You made me think of when we were watching that scene mm-hmm. when the sheriff is on top of him. My son was like watching it, and I could see it a quizzical look on his face, and he he goes, "Daddy, what is he trying to do?" And I'm like, "Well, he's." And I finally just went, he's trying to rape her. Yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I, there, there's, I, I can't dance around it. That's, that's what he's trying to do. It's absolutely what he's trying to do. So uh, Robin breaks into the room where Nottingham is and ends up fighting him. Uh, we see Friar Tuck uh, confronts the evil bishop, and he ends up pushing him. Well, he's kind of giving him all this coin because he's obviously corrupt, and he ends up pushing him through a window, um, you know, and then... We go back to the fight with uh, Robin. Oh, I did kind of forget. It's in the it's in the trailer because I remember seeing this trailer. Robin Hood at one point does this whole fucking diehard thing where he grabs like a big long thing and breaks in through this one of these windows. It was very diehard esque, right? Like, you know, mental. It's it's just whatever cheesy. Um, but yes, he he's fighting Nottingham and he ends up using the dagger that he got from Marion, who originally got it from Nottingham, and stabs him between the ribs. And then all of a sudden, Mortiana gets back up and almost <laughs> kills Robin. But luckily, Azim comes in right in time and throws his scimitar, yeah. which uh, kills the shit out of Mortiana. He has now fulfilled his vow. I always thought that's a cool fucking looking sword. The scimitar. It's really cool looking. Very curved blade. I was thinking about it. You know, it does make a lot of sense when it comes to um, just for the design. of the Because like. Big long sword is great for stabbing, right? Perfect, but this one is great for slashing because it's curved. It's yeah. not going to get stuck. Exactly, and that's I mean that's why like a, a katana has that curve in it because it's meant for slashing mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And and yeah, oh, I just and you know I just think it looks cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very unique. All right, we cut to Robin and Marion are getting married. Well, they're about to, and then all of a sudden in comes King Richard who wants to give her away and King Richard this cameo is played by the great Sean Connery who is Scottish not English is Scottish <laughs> not English who I don't think the Scots love the Brits uh, too much at this time um, but yeah anyway they wed glorious music plays Then, as the uh, end credits play, the music turns to Brian Adams' song, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. So this was the uh, lead single for the soundtrack. It actually mm. hit, it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It was everywhere. It, it hit number one in 19 countries. Yeah. It was a big song. It won the Grammy for Best Song Written for Visual Media. And in the UK in particular, it spent 16 weeks at number one on the UK singles chart, which is still the longest uninterrupted run on that chart. Wow. 
so that was a big song for for the UK. So um, that is the end of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And so, yeah, we had already mentioned this, um, but this was a, a, a long movie. Uh, you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk about. You watched it with uh, both your son and daughter. It sounds like your son uh, stayed. You said stayed through the whole yeah, thing, and the daughter he stuck with so. it. He stuck with yeah, it. Yeah. So tell me about y'all's experience. Um. Okay. So for me, man, I had been a long time since I'd seen this movie. Um. It might have been since the '90s since I'd actually mm-hmm. seen the movie all the way through. Um. So I was I was kind of interested to see what was uh, how it was going to play out. Um. I didn't remember it being so long because I remember watching it so many times that I thought, okay, maybe, you know, it wasn't going to be that long. But, I mean, even the regular cut was, you know, almost two and a half hours. Uh, my daughter lost interest pretty early, so I'm, I'm not that surprised. I think my son's interest waxed and waned, which is understandable because there was a lot of down moments that were unnecessary. But he was in it for all the important stuff. I think he liked it. I don't think he'll ever ask to see it again. I could be wrong. Sometimes they surprise me, but I I don't think so. I think he enjoyed being able to make the comparison to Men in Tights more than mm-hmm. anything else. For me, it was a total trip now down nostalgic lane. And while the movie is fun, it is way too long. It needs to be cut down. But I enjoyed the the journey nonetheless. I don't think I'll... I'll probably go pull this movie out again unless somebody else really wants to watch it. But it was really fun to go back and kind of relive that same emotion watching the the all the fun scenes and the and remembering the quotable lines that everyone from our generation seems to know and quote even if they hadn't seen the movie since 91. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we had extremely similar experiences. Um yeah, it's been a long long time since I've seen the movie. I didn't remember it being so long and realizing afterwards that I had an even longer cut disappointed me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why when I don't even remember when the hell I bought this movie, but it's been a long time. It is slow at times. It's absolutely slow. And I bet even from, yes, the original version, they probably need to cut out a good 10, 15 minutes from it. But that really didn't stop me from enjoying the film. I still thought it was pretty decent. I thought I, you know, I got a lot of nostalgic value out of it. I will absolutely say Kevin Costner is not the best Robin Hood. Older Adam kind of does pick apart like the, why the fuck are there not enough English accents in this movie? (laughs) Like, why are the American actors just not even trying? I don't understand it. But I liked a lot of stuff. I liked Morgan Freeman. I thought he was great. I think Alan Rickman is perfectly cheesy. Like, you know, he added a lot of value to this film. Uh, Christian Slater, I could give or take. I don't think his character, his character really doesn't do shit for me. I agree. Um, And so, so yeah, he feels a bit out of place. But overall, yeah, I was, I was happy. I was happy watching this movie. All right, now we're going to go to another piece of British lore. We're going to talk King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. This cartoon ran from 1992 to 1993, two seasons, 26 episodes. It was created by Jean Chalopin. Uh, He also created Inspector Gadget, uh, the Cadillac Cats and Heathcliff, and stuff like that. Plenty of stuff. We had already talked about him with our Inspector Gadget episode. 
the cast for this one. Uh, King Arthur, a.k.a. Arthur King, uh, is played by, is voiced by Andrew Cavadas. Uh, he was in Captain N, the Game Master. Um, he's done actually quite a bit of anime stuff, including Death Note um, and a bunch of the Gundam series. Mm. Sir Lancelot uh, and other people were voiced by Scott McNeil. We had talked about him in Beast Wars uh, Transformers. He did multiple characters in that one. Uh, the Dragon Ball Z, we all stuck that. Uh, Scott McNeil has over 400 credits, so he is a fantastic voice actor. Uh, Lord, Lord Viper and others were voiced by Gary Chalk. He is my Optimus Prime, a.k.a. Optimus Primal from Beast Wars Transformers, and he's just done tons of stuff. Mm. Uh, Sir Darren and other characters were voiced by uh, Michael Donovan, who um, voiced Fong in Reboot. If you remember that character, you hated Reboot, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> okay. He is also the voice of Dooku in the Lego Star Wars, I think, video games and stuff like that. Uh, but he's got a good bit of credits as well. Uh, Merlin and other characters, voiced by Jim Burns. He was also in Beast Wars. He was in um, X-Men Evolution and in Mega Man and other stuff. Uh, Sir Gallop and other characters, voiced by Mark Hildreth, who was in Gundam series, Camp Candy, Wolverine and the X-Men show, stuff like that. And Queen Morgana was voiced by Kathleen Barr, who voiced Dot Matrix in Reboot. And she was also in Dragon Tales and Ed, Ed, and Eddie. And pretty much every voice that I had just talked about was also in the Double Dragon cartoon mm. uh, that we talked about way back with uh, Jody Sellers at the Sellers Law Firm. Because both of these shows were produced by uh, Bobot Entertainment, who also did... Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Mighty Max, and Street Sharks. Avi Arad is one of the uh, executive producers on this one, and that should be a name you recognize being a Marvel fan. Yeah. He was the uh, chief creative officer for Marvel, one of the founders of Marvel Studios, and former Toy Biz chairman. Mm -hmm. uh, huge name in toys and comics, or in toys and comic book movies, anyway. Overall, I guess, sorry, the premise for this show, I'm just going to kind of read off kind of the Wikipedia breakdown of what the premise of the show is it had uh king arthur and the knights of the round table were trapped in the cave of glass by arthur's sister the evil enchantress enchantress queen morgana unable to free king arthur and the knights himself the wizard merlin searches the timeline for replacement knights he finds the quarterback of the new york knights football team king arthur and transports him and his teammates to camelot after one of their football games he appoints Arthur King as their new leader and his teammates as the new Knights of the Round Table and assigns them the task of freeing the true king and knights. So, um, now it doesn't mention there, I'm pretty sure the Knights, I think they were a, it felt like a high school team. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a high school team. And a lot of the motivation, uh, I watched uh, about two and a half episodes, actually. I watched two episodes, yeah. Yeah, uh, I just watched the first two. Everything right now is on Tubi. Yes. So if you guys are, are curious of where to watch this one, Tubi is the place to do it. And I noticed that a lot of the motivation from Merlin even was he brought in girls, like hot girls. Like obviously Guinevere was a big one for Arthur. Mm -hmm. But like at one point they had like a successful fight and he's like, you know, here to Merlin brings in like, oh, to uh, uh, make everything better. He just brought in all these like medieval hotties for <laughs> For the team to, uh, you know, have some fun. So uh, this is a show that I watched when I was younger. Uh, how about you? I did not really have any recollection of this show. Okay. 
So I did watch this, um, not intensely, I would say. Uh, this is not like one of my strong nostalgic, you know, memories, but this is one that I I did. I, I might have watched the whole thing way back, but I definitely watched it at the worst sporadically mm-hmm. here and there. But something that I absolutely remember and, and fond of is the sweet theme song. And then, from the field of the future, a new king will come to save the world of the past. If I had to give you one guess, who did the theme song? Could you tell me? Uh, uh Saban. Yeah, so it's uh Levy, Levy and Saban Levy basically, Saban. but yeah, Saban's like the business guy. Shuki Levy is the guy who like did all the music. Okay. So Levy is the guy who created the music for the series and I believe the theme song. And John, here are the here are the different shows slash theme songs that he was a part of: Inspector Gadget and Heathcliff. Jason the Wheeled Warriors, Mask, Zoobly Zoo, Dinosaurs, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Spider-Man, Radioactive Spider-Man, tons of stuff. He actually did music for the X-Men series. Ron Wasserman is credited for the theme song, mm-hmm. but Levy also did music for the, the show itself. Okay. He's a god when it comes to <laughs> 80s and 90s TV songs yeah. and TV music. So, so yeah, it's awesome. And that's the gist of what I've got. Well, no, actually, one more thing I do want to mention. The animation is not good. It's very <laughs> 80s. It is and this even not... was an 80s show, but it was very 80s. Exactly. It's 80s, and this is a 1992, 93. You know, this is when, I mean, fuck. And by this point, Batman the Animated Series is out mm-hmm. or about to come out. I think Gargoyles isn't far from coming out. Like, and those shows, X-Men their animation then, holds up. Too. Yeah, they hold up. You know, those shows hold up mm-hmm. um, for animation. This one is not good. I will say, as basic as it is, I kind of like the character design. I didn't hate it. Yeah. The knights are all, like, you know, super armored up. They kind of have these magical abilities where they're kind of tied in with some um, whatever beast or whatever is on their shields. Mm-hmm. And so they can, like, Arthur can, like, shoot out a dragon. Some of the, you know, one of them has a ram, and he can, like, have this big-ass ram. And so there's other different magical things, which is, is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, especially for a kid. Uh, I, I want get, to get started on my thoughts first. Sure. Um, because I did have some nostalgic tie. Rewatching the show, it's nothing special. I can see the appeal to kids, and honestly, the idea is really cool. I think the premise is pretty fucking awesome, because who wouldn't want to be transported back in time to become King Arthur and have Excalibur and then extra powers? Like, I think it's a pretty fucking cool-ass premise Mm -hmm. um, and magic and all this fun stuff. Do I think the show holds up? No. No, it does not (laughs) hold up. It is not 
well written. It's not anything, nothing particularly special about it. The theme song is fantastic, but I can understand why people, well, I say people remember it, but it's not really like a super remembered or beloved show right. uh, for the time. But I do think it fits with that time. I think mm-hmm. it is perfect for those early 90s. It's just, yeah, it's not going to last, and I totally understand it. Yeah, I I had no real recollection of it. I did kind of, uh, once I heard the theme, I'm like, okay, I think I kind of remember this. And um, I, I actually, one of the things I did was I immediately went online to look at what the toys looked like. I'm like, I'm like this mm-hmm. is a 90s cartoon. There's going to be toys involved. And the toys were nothing special. They looked yeah. okay. And part of me was like, mm, that might have been part of the reason why it didn't succeed. Toy, yeah, you know, if, the, if the toys aren't going to drive the market for it, then I can't understand why they're, you know. It it, it felt like they could have spent more time on the toys. So I, it's hard to know whether or not the the toy or the if the show drove the toys or if the toys were conceived first and they wanted to make a show around it because either one of those is possible. Um, yeah. I do want to bring up one of the one of the casting, which is really weird because she's credited for eleven episodes, but it doesn't say who she was credited playing. Uh, is an actress named Terrell Rothery, and uh, my fellow big fans of Stargate SG One will know her as Doctor Frazier uh, through the entire, oh, okay. actually for the majority of run in that show. But it doesn't credit her with who she played. She was on for eleven episodes. We have no idea. It, it, it just even, says voice or something. Mine, yeah. No, mine just is blank. Like, it doesn't even say additional okay. voices. It's just blank. But I'm guessing she did some sort of uh, additional voices. I largely was like, I can see why it didn't last. It is a mm-hmm. cool idea. And I also didn't mind the like the armor designs. I think Arthur's was the best. I think it mm-hmm. looked the coolest. It had the most like sleek lines and stuff like that. Um, I did laugh after the first episode where I'm like, okay, I definitely heard... Uh, a blatant like New York accent. Um, yes. I heard Woody Allen, uh, a voice. <laughs> I heard a Stallone impersonation. Like they just, you know, they basically just are like, okay, just in- imitate someone. Uh, the Woody Allen was like the nerdy science kid for some reason, yeah. and those, some of the meatheads were, you know, Stallone and and some of the other stuff. And that that part was a little too much. It was a little over the top. Uh, I made it through two episodes without a problem, because they felt like the the they were short enough and quick enough that I I didn't have any issues. But yeah, it was nothing special. I can see how mm-hmm. it didn't really last past a couple seasons. So yeah. it, I mean, it's it's definitely not a, a show that uh, I'm gonna have any ties with. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not one to push to show your your kids or anything like that. Um, but I. Wouldn't doubt that they have at least heard your the theme song because you said your son went through like a whole bunch of '90s theme songs, yeah. and so he probably would recognize that. Yeah, that's possible. So, okay, yeah. So overall, you know, unless you were a mega fan, it's not worth your time to go back from this one. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... In all history, there's never been another hero like him. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I fight for justice against the evil Sheriff of Nottingham. Robin with a fateful Azim defends Sherwood Forest. Ha ha, I found your hideout. Surrender! You put the Sherwood Forest playset together. Little John, greet our visitor. I, 
Robin? Figures in place and sold separately. Ha! Didn't get me. Ron, Sheriff, we got you right where we want you. There's only one Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood. All right. Now it's time to do the casting portion, and we are going to try our hand at recasting Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And this one's going to be interesting. Yep. Out of my, I feel like I have like a star-studded cast. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a good cast. It's not a star. St- well, maybe. I mean, some of them are pretty solid. So, well, we'll see. I, I think I think I got enough big names in here to to make it worth it. Here's the question: Did you stick to English actors? Every single one of mine is an English actor. Okay, every one of mine is as well, except for Azim. Okay, and my Azim is an English actor with Nigerian roots. Okay. Uh, so we are going to recast Robin of Loxley, Azim, Marion, Sheriff of Nottingham, Will Scarlet, Little John, Mortiana, Friar Tuck, and at the last second I added in King Richard just because it's a fun little cameo. Let's, you know, why not? Uh, ah, let's go ahead and start with King Richard since he has the least amount of screen time. I'll (laughs) go ahead and start. You can put any famous older Englishman in this one, I felt, um, for a fun cameo. I thought about, hey, would it be fun if uh, Patrick Stewart kind of redid his cameo for Men and Tights? But uh, Patrick Stewart is getting uh, up there in age. Uh, So I I did go with an older actor. Here's the funny thing, though. Chronologically, it actually makes no sense for Sean Connery to have been it because King Richard was only 37 at the time that this would have taken place. (laughs) (laughs) He was was the king, and he did go off on the Crusades, but he was only 37 years old. Um, but I did go with an older. I, I wanted it. I want it to be like a, a relatively fun, and I you know mm. maybe fun for me. I went with somebody who is absolutely known for Shakespearean acting and this sort of like telling. I went with Kenneth Branagh. Once you said Shakespearean actor, I knew exactly where you're going to go. He has a, a fantastic presence. He is a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that fits perfectly perfect and granted he's older than the actual one but i mean it's a fancy movie who cares yeah who cares Absolutely. all right who is your surprise king richard my surprise king richard i was trying to think all right sean connery uh from scotland but you know not really well what makes sense to follow sean connery someone who followed sean connery there was a roger moore in between <laughs> but i went with pierce brosnan as my king richard i love that i love pierce brosnan <laughs> Uh, even though I really don't care about the Black Adam movie, or do yeah. I care about the character of Dr. Fate, I'm interested to see Pierce Brosnan in a superhero movie. I'm absolutely probably going to go see it, simply mm. to see how Pierce Brosnan does in this, because I think he's a really good and, you know, kind of an underrated actor. I don't think he's been used as much as of late as he probably could have been. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he was all over the 90s. We loved him in Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah. Loved him in Goldeneye, and even though, like that's the only Bond movie I've ever been excited to watch. Mm-hmm. I really don't give a shit about Bond, honestly. <laughs> so I I I love uh, I love hearing your pick of Pierce Brosnan. Cool, thank you, sir. Uh, all right, Friar Tuck, who did you pick? All right, Friar Tuck, uh, boisterous, a drunkard. I thought of a couple different guys who fit really well, uh, but ultimately, when you're doing British actors. What do you go back to the well of? The well of Game of Thrones. And the perfect Friar Tuck, who is boisterous and uh, a drunkard, is the boisterous drunkard of the king, King Robert Baratheon. I'm with Mark Addy as my Friar Tuck. Okay. It's funny because I also did go to the well of uh, Game of Thrones for Friar Tuck. Yeah. I didn't think of him. I, I actually tried to keep my cast a little bit younger, okay. so I didn't go to him. I almost 
went with uh, Varys. Oh, okay. He's a good actor. I, yeah, I don't know what else I've seen him in. I haven't either. I've seen pictures yeah. of him and other things like with hair and stuff. And yeah, ultimately, I decided not to go with it. I do like that actor, and that totally makes sense um, as a drunkard. Okay. Um, I, as I mentioned, I did go younger. Uh, I skewed younger for some of these characters, not all of them, but some. And for some reason, I've never, I haven't, I've only seen this guy on Game of Thrones, and he's very sweet in in Game of Thrones. But uh, it'd be fun to see him branch out. I went with John Bradley. Okay, yeah, definitely younger. Uh, he played Sam, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got the godly kind of mentality already tied in, yep. you know, with Sam and kind of like the wise, I guess, um, bits about that. Uh, so yeah, if you are skewing younger with your and mine is pretty close to a similar age range to Prince of Thieves, mm-hmm. so um, I think that does make a lot of sense. Okay, for your call, um, I think, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just we'll leave it at that. Okay, I, I will say I looked up how old Kevin Costner was. He was uh, about thirty six when the movie came out, which. He looked 40. Like, I see him, and I'm like, he looks like he's 46. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure my Robin of Loxley is actually older than 36 now, but looks younger. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, all right, more Tiana. Uh, I did not travel far to find mm. uh, a witch. Uh, I went with the... I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't go with that one, uh, but I went okay. with very low-hanging fruit um, because she... she She's older now, so I can believe her as an older witch. Also, she she's got a great cackle and all. She's got everything you need for like a creepy uh, older witch. I went with Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, I didn't think of that at all. But the second you went with low hanging fruit, I'm like, oh fuck, he went <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter, and that is the perfect call. Yeah, I like that better than my call. Oh, That's great. Okay. That's great. All right, who did you pick yep. then? I mean, my call's she's a fantastic actress, um, and she she leans into the weird i feel with a lot of her roles mm-hmm. and that's why she would do a really strong job with mortiana but i, I honestly i just think helen bottom carter fits exactly the vibe i'm looking for but that this girl this this woman does is great i went with tilda swinton as my mortiana okay i don't hate that i mean she yeah. she leans it, into that and i mm-hmm. i could totally see her doing that um i yep. think her performance as gabriel in constantine is is yeah. underrated for what it really was yeah, she's a good. She can be a good villain. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't hate that. I. I mean, I think Helena Bottom Carter is like the obvious one. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. and would work well. But I think you know Tilda Swinton's an amazing actress. She's gonna. She's gonna nail it. You know. Yep. And they'll probably. She'll probably let them do all kinds of like crazy makeup stuff to really help her get mm-hmm. into character. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, all right, Little John. I had the hardest time with this one, so I really want to hear who you picked for this. Yeah, I almost, you know, because you got to have a big actor. Um, I almost looked around and I was like, oh, Kevin Durand. He was, I, he was not, yeah, I don't think he's British. No. But he was one I looked at. And then I noticed that he was Little John in the Russell Crowe version. I'm like, I'm not going to fucking use you then. <laughs> then, what do you do? You go back to the well, John. You go to the well of Game of Thrones. And no, I would not cast the guy who played the mountain, um, who is Hafthor Bjornsson. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is a world's strongest man because he can't act for shit because he could, he can't act. He just can't. He's not a good actor, but who is a good actor and is still big is Rory McCann who played his younger brother, the hound. That is a great choice and honestly better than mine. And I don't, and I don't know how I didn't think of him. Cause I also went to the game of Thrones. Well, for a lot of different things, uh, um, you know, for at least for the last pick and, 
I don't know why I didn't come up with him because I think that I think that's a, a great choice because he is a big guy and yeah. and while you know the thing about Little John is Little John has to be big because that is mm-hmm. the the irony of his name. I went with an actor who is kind of tall. He's about six feet. Okay, but angles and how you yeah, do it, I mean you, you know, can sell put it. On lifts. But I mean he, I think I think I miscast because Little John, even though he's big, he's kind of like boisterous and like yeah. fun. I, that's always kind of how I've seen like the, the Little John character. I ended up going with Brett Goldstein actually. Oh, okay. So from kind, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso kind of has the gruff look, um, yeah. but I think your pick is way better. Okay. I really, I, I mean, because I have now caught up on Ted Lasso, um, I am a fan of all that mm-hmm. stuff, and I can't wait for season three, which, you know, we've heard is going to be the last season, unfortunately. Yeah. Which apparently was the plan all along, yeah. so I'm okay with it, because it means that they've planned this. They they know where they're going. And honestly, I didn't realize until I was kind of looking up some credits that Roy Beard, you know, and Ted Lasso, that they are all writers on the show. Yeah. I didn't, and kind of creators on the show. So I had no clue that they were all also, you know, on that aspect. So I like him a lot. Um, I agree. I don't think he's as good of a pick as Rory Mm -hmm. McCann. Okay. Uh, Will Scarlet. I also didn't really reach that hard for Will Scarlet. (laughs) I I, I went with a young British actor who, uh, could play that kind of Christian Slater type. And and I've seen him play more like sweet kind of characters um, in in his MCU role. I also cast a lot of MCU people, but at this point it's hard to not cast MCU people. Yes. Because there's so many. damn near impossible. I I went with Tom Holland. I also went with Tom (laughs) Holland because I couldn't, I was trying to think of different people and it's just like, you know what? He is, he, he, he looks innocent. He is, he looks young he can give you what you need. I, I, I whatever it was, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. think of anybody else that who would do as good. I was job. Say, I actually toyed with like Kit Harrington for a little bit, and I'm like uh, maybe. Uh, and then I was like, no, Will's got to be young and naive a little bit. I was like, I've, yeah. I've got to go back to to Tom Holland. Yep. Uh, all right. I think the one that was I'm, I'm most interested to hear is Sheriff of Nottingham because I I I had a few different options, and I'm really interested to hear how you went. Okay, yeah, there there were a couple people, and recasting a former Alan Rickman role is gonna be hard to do. Yeah. Uh, he is just a phenomenal actor, and so I had a particularly the very first name I wrote down. I'm curious, he's a good one too, and I'll, I'll bring it up later in case you cast him. Uh, but the guy I went with, you've seen him as a villain in a couple different things, um, including an upcoming MCU movie, and he definitely can be eccentric when you need to. And I think. Um, he he'll bring the role exactly where I want. I went with Christian Bale as my sheriff of Nottingham. That is a not at all a bad call. I I think okay. that's a great. Uh, he's a great call. I looked at a few different people. I probably actually even looked at Christian Bale a little bit because uh, sheriff. Um, he's just he's got to be you know he he's got to be malicious. But mm-hmm. Alan Rickman brought uh, an ounce of funny, like mm-hmm. unintentional funny. That yeah. is is kind of needed. While Christian Bale is very serious, and man, am I interested to see how he plays Gore the God Butcher in the upcoming yeah. Thor movie. I'm really interested because I I, I didn't know after after Batman if we'd ever see him in a superhero movie again. Um, but you know, Marvel's got money and money talks. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> you know, I mean, if Marvel called me and said, "Hey, we need you to go shirtless and play Mojo, the big fat 
character friend. I'm like, I need you to gain an extra 200 pounds. Yeah, I need you to stop, stop, stop dieting, and I need you to eat pizza every day uh, for for this amount of money. I'd be, you know what, Marvel? I am, I'm, I'm in it for you. Yep. I went with an actor who we already know can play a malicious character. He's kind. It's kind of obvious. It's also obvious because he's actually known for his Alan Rickman impression. Although I wouldn't want him to do it for this. I went with Tom Hiddleston. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were going to go Benedict Cumberbatch for a second because I think I've heard him do an Alan Rickman impression. Yeah. Yes. And they all. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot do. Tom Hiddleston. Interesting. Yeah. You know what? I had trouble thinking about it, but once I switched to John's characters are younger, I like it. Okay. I do. You know what? Remembering that mentality. That fits really well. Well, I mean, he's I mean, Tom Hiddleston is already in his 40s at this point, I think, or at least late Pro- 30s, probably. and Alan Rickman was yeah. probably in his late, early 40s at the time. It's just, I swear, like, actors back then just, <laughs> is it because we were kids that they just seemed older? Uh, and we, yeah, and we've seen them all, you know, aged up nowadays, or, you know, or more recently roles, so mm-hmm. it's kind of... It's kind of hard to just keep them in the. Young well, I, I remember but. when when Alan Rickman first appears on screen. I, I went to my I went to my daughter and said, "Hey, do you recognize him?" And she said, "No." And I said, "It's Snape." And as soon as I said that, she goes, "Oh, I now I see it." And she's like, "He's a baby because he looks so young." And <laughs> at that point, I'm like, at that yeah. point, it was like 12 years or 13 years before the yeah. first Harry Potter film. So, so no, that's cool. I, that's, I mean, he's a great. He has got the charisma that you would want in a sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was that was was it was it, it, he can be malicious, but Tom Hiddleston yeah. is actually if you've listened to his interviews, he's actually a pretty funny guy. So I think yeah. adding that little bit of and I mean even Loki mm-hmm. has his his you know funny moments. So yes, absolutely. Um, the other name I wanted to throw out there, but he's a little bit older. I thought he may, might be a little bit too old, honestly. But he's just a phenomenal villain. I went with Jason Isaacs. It's kind of like the first name I wrote down. Honestly, I'm shocked he hasn't played the sheriff of Nottingham already. Doesn't it feel like it? I mean, he's got he's a great look for it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, all right, Marion. I went uh, with it, another MCU alum who I've just come to really love, and and uh, most of what I've seen her from is from stuff through the MCU. Uh, but I would really love to see her play, like because Marion, even though she's like kind of the lady in distress. Like the one thing that didn't jive with me a little bit is that Marion at the early at the very point the very beginning of the movie when we first meet her seems like she can hold her own. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, but somehow she lets the sheriff like manhandle her at the end without a, without an issue. They didn't utilize that at all. And they didn't, which I I, I found to be a little weird. Uh, but what I went with an uh, uh, an English lady who I think could hold her own and is beautiful to boot. I went with Haley Atwell. Oh okay yeah. Yeah, she got wrecked in the uh, <laughs> recent Marvel movie, but uh, she is beautiful. She's shown that she can do action stuff if they do want to go that route. Um, I like it. I like it. I didn't think about her at all, but I do like it. I thought actually you were going to go with Karen Gillan um, when you started talking MCU person because um, she kind of has a little bit more of that innocent right. vibe, but no, I like it. Also, Karen Gillan is Scottish, and I was uh, I was trying to stick to English, and then I ended up casting a Scott as my Robin, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. All right, who, yeah, who's your Marion? So my Marion uh, is someone I haven't seen much of. She had a very small part in Captain America: The First Avenger. I don't even remember her part really in that one. You very much probably remember her better than I do because she was on Doctor Who, uh, playing Clara. I don't really know that role, um, but she also played Queen Victoria in a Victoria series that was on. She is, uh, I think, got. 
kind of all the the vibes that I'm looking for from what I have seen of my little bits of seeing from this actress. I went with Jenna Coleman mm-hmm. as my Marion. Yeah, I knew where you were going once you um, once you mentioned Doctor Who because I was like, well, it's not going to be Karen Gillan because uh, yeah. the Karen Gillan was also Doctor Who, and I I didn't think you were setting that up, but uh, yeah, Jenna Coleman. I loved her character in Doctor Who. Um, I swear I've seen her in at least one other thing besides Doctor Who, but I think that's a good call. Um, she's okay. very young looking, but yeah, she's she's my age. Or well, she's born in April '86. Okay, uh, I I have no issues with that because I think Jenna Coleman okay. was a was fantastic was fantastic on uh, Doctor Who. So I, mm-hmm. I have no issues with me. Cool. Okay, Azim. I really want to hear where you where you went with Azim. Another kind of tough casting mm-hmm. because Morgan Freeman. Fuck, he's Morgan Freeman. Yeah. To me, you have to have really strong acting chops. Um, I can understand. I actually was originally looking through African actors because mm-hmm. that was kind of the route I wanted to take. And then I came across this guy who had Nigerian ancestry, uh, but he is from, I think, London or at least from from England. And he is a very, very good actor, and I think he could do exactly what is needed. I went with Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, love that guy. Yeah. Love that guy. Baron, no, Baron he's, he's MCU, but he's been t- tons of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about him in the Serenity movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, he was in the – I loved his character in The, in the Martian because he was kind of funny right. in that. Um, I have no issues with that at all. Cool. That I, I, I figured you would you would totally get the thumbs up. On oh that yeah, one. absolutely. I, I love that guy. Um, so here is where I differed from uh, the rest of my casting, where I did not go kind of authentic to the region. Um, I went okay. with an American actor for this. It was the first name that popped into my head, and then I went and looked at other ones. I looked at African actors. I looked at Saudi actors or Middle Eastern actors and stuff like that. Ultimately, I just decided to come back to this guy for his acting chops more than anything and his just screen presence. Uh, I I think he's an amazing actor. I went with Mahershala Ali. Oh, yeah. He is a phenomenal actor, and you can give him absolutely any role, and I will be happy with him in that role. I think think it's great. I'm not going to knock a shit on that one. I don't care that he's not, (laughs) you know, from England or Africa or wherever. He's a really good actor. Yeah. I think we're I think we're all good there. All right, uh, Robin of Loxley, our main guy. Uh, I went back and forth on a couple of different guys on this one, and ultimately, I settled on this guy because I, I think he's about about the right age for what I wanted. He's got the right presence. I've never really seen him do too many things that were funny. Robin of Loxley does seem to have like a, fence, a sense of humor, or Kevin Costner's mm-hmm. Robin. But I, I just I wanted a strong actor in this one, and I also went back to the well of Game of Thrones. I went with Richard Madden. I think that is a really good call, and actually, he was the very first name I wrote down. And I originally was going to have him until I ultimately changed my mind. Okay, but because uh, all, t- what changed my mind is actually a charisma factor. Okay, I like Richard Madden, but in both in Game of Thrones and in Eternals. He doesn't have much charisma, right. and I felt that, at least in this movie, Robin Hood needs some more charisma. Yeah, I, I will admit that in this one, and even in the animated one, Robin Hood's kind of like a player and, and yeah. does have that charisma. So I, that I I do understand. So yeah, it was actually, I think it was, I had him as my Robin Loxie until I watched the movie, and then I was like, no, I, I need a different personality. Yeah. 
Um, but he has the exact look that I would want, right? Like, pretty much for the Robin Hood. Uh, so yes, I went with um, obviously English actor who I think does have a little bit more charisma. He has led some stuff. He's actually played King Arthur before in a flop. <laughs> uh, I don't think it went anywhere. I do like him as an actor from Sons of Anarchy. I went with Charlie Hunnam as my Robin I actually Morse. did look at Charlie Hunnam, and, and I just and my okay. first thought was, oh, dude's too big. Like, he's too ripped. Ah, okay. But, I can see that. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a good actor, and uh, mm. I actually haven't seen Sons of Anarchy. I'm oh, sure he's I, lo- I mean, I loved like the first like four or five seasons. Loved them. You know what? The funny thing is, is I really do think Taron Egerton would be a great Robin Hood if he'd made if they'd put him in a better movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think I agree. I, I, I like he's him. got yeah, he's got charisma. You know, if they had just made mm-hmm. Kingsman as Robin Hood, it would have been yeah better. But I mean, granted, I didn't see the film, but like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but if like if I want Robin Hood, I want Robin Hood in the medieval times, in, a, in that yeah. kind of almost pseudo fantasy setting. I don't want Robin Hood in a modern time. That's Hawkeye. That's Green Arrow. I I already get that shit everywhere else. I don't need a modern Robin. Yeah. Hood. I've already got that. I agree. So uh, overall, I think some some good picks. Really good picks. Yep. I, uh, we are Definitely. we are nailing this casting thing. Uh, and I, I still, we are I, getting better and I better. still don't know how we're not, uh, how we haven't been <laughs> recruited by uh, by some director yeah. to cast this movie. So. All right, that was our recasting of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Please join us next time as we are joined by the podcasting after dark show TV Obscura. Their co-host Diallo Jackson will be joining us for our top ten sword fights in film if you have any questions or comments you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com and if you want to suggest a movie or tv show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast go over to patreon.com backslash blast and pick a tier that works for you to find us on social media search for at blast so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get